Well, good morning, everybody. I hope you're doing well on this rainy, rainy morning in the uh, South Carolina Low Country. I'm glad that you're here today. Um, for those of you who are here in the house, thank you guys so much um, for being here, being in person. Uh, for those of you who are at home today, we're really glad that you're joining in, assuming there's no one out on the backstage patio today. Uh, if you are, good luck. Uh, so anyway, I'm really glad that you're here. We are in week two of our series that uh, we've entitled, God Doesn't Need Anything. And I want to encourage you, if you missed last week, to go back on the app, go back online, and, uh, and, and watch or listen to that message, because I think it's foundational for what we are going to accomplish or what we're striving to accomplish uh, over these uh, four weeks in this particular message series. Uh, we uh, are, are in this series where we're really talking about the fact that uh, God doesn't need anything, that he is the creator of all things, and thus, he, because he's the creator of all things, and because he's the owner of everything, uh, that he doesn't need anything. And we as a church, I believe, need to understand, and we as a church and we as Christians need to have an understanding of really who we are in light of who God is. And when we have that understanding of who we are in, in light of who God is, then I believe that we can take our proper place and understand what it means to serve the church. Hey, I want to also encourage you today, if you have that app, the notes are on the app. They'll be on the screens today, all the verses and that sort of thing. We're going to kind of bounce around, which is a little bit unusual in the verses today. Um, but uh, I want to encourage you on that. And then I want to invite you to be a part of uh, what we do on Wednesday nights. We have Roots, uh, where you can take a more in-depth look at what we're talking about this morning in a discussion kind of environment, small groups. That takes place over in the community center. We've got groups that meet over there, including a uh, Spanish-speaking group that meets over in our community center. I'd love for you to be a part of. Now, we kind of left off last week with this idea in mind that God is the creator of all things, and he's the provider of all things, and so thus, he doesn't need anything. But, but we kind of drew this conclusion that seems on the surface like it's a bit contradictory, right? The, the conclusion that we drew from last week was that God desires for us to co-labor with him for his kingdom and for his church. That God's desire, while he doesn't need anything, his desire for you as a Christ follower, his desire for me as a Christ follower, his desire for us as a church, is that we would understand that we are, our job is to co-labor with him for his kingdom and in his church. We left off with, with this last week, the Apostle Paul writing a letter to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9 where he says, for we are God's fellow workers. We are God's fellow workers. That's what it is in the ESV. Some of you might have a version that says co-laborers right there. We are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. And so in the remainder of the series, we're going to be taking a look uh, essentially at, at the fact that God desires for us to use our time for his kingdom and for his church, and he desires to use our money for your money, our money, for his kingdom and for his church. And, and, and today we're going to be focusing on the fact that God desires to use 
your ability and to use my ability for his kingdom and for his church. I want you to know this, that God loves you. As we talked about last week when Paul, in, in his discourse, when he is kind of giving this message to a group of people at Mars Hill, God is near to you. And because God loves you and because he's near to you, he desires for you to be used by him. And I want you to know that you have certain abilities, certain things that he created you with. And one of the great desires that he has is for you to tap into those abilities and those talents and those resources that he has given you. And one of his greatest desires is, is for you to be thriving using those abilities, using those talents, using those resources for your good, but for his glory and for his kingdom work. Now, there's a reason that I'm using the word abilities in this series and not talent. And that's this, because when we think of talent, sometimes we think of something where the focus is on us, where we are kind of the centerpiece and it's kind of all about us. The reason I'm using the word abilities is because abilities is something that God has given you, he's created you with, and there are a skill set, maybe a personality type, maybe kind of you know, something that you're made with that he intends to you, for you to use for him. We talked about this a little bit last week, and I want to go a little more in depth, that there's, there's an unhealth that's created in the church within the body of Christ when, when we don't properly understand who he is. And when we don't understand properly who we are in light of who he is, th there's this unhealth that takes place. There's an imbalance, if you will, in the church. And that is, is that a small group of people end up doing most of the work. And a small group of people end up giving the largest amount of time. And a small group of people end up giving the largest amount of money. It was, it was kind of introduced by, by a guy named Preto, and, and he kind of introduced this as a theory. And, and so Preto is a principle that, uh, and we talked about it last week, that 20% of the people produce 80% of the results, and that 20% of the people do 80% of the jobs. And, and that's really true in the church. And in fact, it's probably even worse in many cases in the church. I, I don't know about you, but I would love to be a part of a church that turns Preto upside down. I'd like to be a part of a church where, like, we take this idea of the 80 20 and we turn it upside down. I'd love to be a part of a church where all of the believers in the church are using their own individual skills and gifts and abilities to serve the church and serve each other and serve our community and in doing so are part of God's kingdom and are part of God's church. And that's what this is all about, is reversing preto. It's undoing preto. It's being a church that's not normal, being a body of believers that's not normal. I would love for us to be say that we're a church where 100% of our people are involved in using their abilities for God. Now, last week I, I said 
that there are two errors that come out when we don't understand this God-man relationship. We don't understand our proper place with God and the fact that he's the creator of all things and he's the provider of all things. And the first error that we often have is this error where we think that God needs me. Okay, so I want to have a little bit of fun with this because I think that there are some people, yes, even on Hilton Head Island, maybe especially on Hilton Head Island, that might think that like your abilities are better than someone else's. And I, if you've ever been to a restaurant on Hilton Head Island, you'll see this happen, right? Okay, so, and I'm, I'm just telling you, I, I've never seen this from any of you. So, but if you've ever watched on Hilton Head, especially on Hilton Head, but I think it's everywhere, someone goes into a restaurant and they walk into the restaurant, and before they've had one bite of food, before they've ordered one thing, they are scanning the world around them to find out what's wrong with that restaurant. Have you ever watched this happen? I, I watched someone come into a restaurant that, that I frequent a lot, and, and they have two doors, and one of them is closed and locked for a specific reason. It doesn't even matter what the reason is, but it has been for 15 years that I've been going to this restaurant. And I remember watching someone walk in and try to open that door. And when it didn't open, they opened the one that was open. And they decided on their own that they would unlock the top and the bottom because that was the better option, right? In their mind, it was the better option. And you see, this happens all the time. And I get it. I understand this. Where we view the world around us and we think that we have the only solution that's available to everyone's problem or every organization's problem. And we've talked about this before where, where there are just some people that go to a restaurant or an organization and they want to look under the hood immediately and they look under the hood, and the restaurant that's been running fine, or the organization that's been running fine for many, many years, they look under the hood, and they say, the whole engine's got to be replaced. And you know who can do it? I can do it. I'm the guy that can replace your engine. And in reality, what needs to happen is the fluids just need to be topped off. Gas needs to be put in the engine, a little bit of oil, and the car is ready to go again. And you see, I understand this because, because I was there. When I, when I first got out of college, um, I sold telephone systems. A boring existence, let me tell you. <laughs> but I learned to really love this, and, and I learned that when I, I would go into businesses, what would I look for? I looked for telephone systems because my livelihood depended on that organization having a bad system or an old system, and so I would be the one that could solve their problem, right? So, so we are created and we are kind of conditioned in our culture that we go into places and we view things with, with kind of these critical eyes or maybe hypercritical eyes. Uh, that, was, that was years ago, literally it was 20 plus years ago, and I still... Every place I go into, I'm looking at the phone system to see how old it is and to see if it needs to be replaced. But here's the problem with that mentality. You see, I think that many people who, who think that their talents or abilities are, are more useful 
or better than someone else's, or they need to be the one to go look under the hood and replace the engine. I believe it comes from a very benevolent, very pure motive. The problem is, is that in the church, that sometimes we just need the fluids topped off. And the problem is, is that we view it as helpful, when in reality, it's really not. When in reality, we're disrupting something. And so there, there's, there are times when, and there are people that, that I think that we think that, that God needs the thing that I've got and the world needs the thing that I've got. And the problem with that is what happens is, is that you end up just sitting on the sideline of life when there's plenty of opportunities to serve right around you. I've heard it described this way before, that, that you can walk around with two things. You can walk around with a clipboard in your hand or a mop in your hand. You get me, church? What the church needs is people that are capable of walking around with a clipboard, but are willing to put it down and grab the mop. That's what the church needs. That's what we need. By the way, it's probably what the restaurant that you go to needs as well. And so sometimes I think that we, we falsely think that everything is wrong and that every problem that everyone has can be met by me. The opposite of that, and it's the second person that we talked about, is the person that says that essentially God needs someone other than me. And the reality is, is that there are a lot of you who are just sitting on the sideline because you have bought into the lie that you have begun to believe that you are not prepared to be used by him, that you're not worthy to be used by God, that you don't have the right talents or the right resources or the right thing that it takes and you talk yourself out of being used by him. You say, I'm not worthy to be used by him. I, I, I need to get my life right before, completely right before I'm used by him. I need to be perfect before I'm used by him. And someone else can serve. They've got that because I, I, I'm, I'm really unworthy to be used by God. And so you're just sitting on the sidelines with your hands in your pockets when God has created you with abilities and resources and, yes, talents that you could use to benefit and to serve the church in remarkable ways. I remember years ago, uh, it was, uh, I think it was a Tuesday morning. It was the beginning of January, and um, I was going out. I think I was going to take trash to the dump or the convenience center. And it was, put, it was after Christmas. It was a cold January day, kind of like we've had the last couple of days. And I remember um, coming out of Hilton Head Plantation where we live, and I thought something was wrong with my truck, and something was wrong with my truck. I'd run out of gas. <laughs> That's an it's the first time it had happened to me in my life, and it's an embarrassing phone call to make to your wife when it's, you know, kind of post-Christmas and everybody's kind of chilling out and trying to rest and that sort of thing. Hey, hon, can you get the gas can and can you fill me up? Then, two weeks later, I'm dropping Sean off at school. Happened again. Two weeks, 
two weeks within, you know, away from each other, the, the only two times that I've, I've ever, like, run out of gas. It happened right after I dropped him off, and I came around the corner, and I, 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 knew, it, I knew it this time. I knew what was going on this time. I knew that there was nothing wrong with my truck other than me, and I just pulled over on the side. And I remember getting out of the truck and thinking, oh, it's not too far of a walk. This will be good. And I cannot tell you how many people drove by my broken down truck there, run out of gas that I knew, and they just waved as they went by. And I was like, hey, thanks. 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 Appreciate that. Thank you. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I just like getting out of my truck every once in a while. I'm all good. It's all fine. My buddy Mike eventually kind of pulled over, and, and he took me to, to get some gas and to fill up. And I wasn't going to call Cynthia that time on that running out of gas situation, right? I think sometimes, sometimes, you and I as Christ followers, I want you to hear this. I think we talk ourselves into standing on the sidelines and just watching the needs go by. Just waving. Someone else has got it. Someone else is better than me. Someone else has more time than me. Someone else has more resources than me. And we really don't understand the truth. The truth that while God doesn't need us, he desires for us to be used by him. Three principles today. Three principles today that I think we need to understand. While God doesn't need you, I want you to know that you were created by God, you were created by God with individual and unique abilities. You were created by God with individual and unique abilities. The psalmist writes this in Psalm 139. For some of you, it may be very familiar. He says, I praise you, God, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. He writes, my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes, they saw my unformed substance, my unformed parts. In your book were written, uh, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. And so Christ follower, church, for you and I to buy into the lie that, that I'm, not, I'm not worthy of being served or, or serving the church. We're declaring that, that we don't truly believe that God is the one that gave us the abilities that we have. Do we take a little part of that away when we, of, of what God, how God made us and how God created us and the personality with which he gave us? You, you realize there, there are some of you, um, how, how many of you would say that you are an extrovert? I just want you to raise your hand this morning if you're an extrovert, right? Raise your hand if you think you're an extrovert, all right? You're an extrovert. If you're an introvert, raise your hand. You guys are like, <laughs> I'm proud. You guys, the introverts raise their hands better than the extroverts. By the way, in here, I'm just saying. You know, it doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert. It doesn't matter whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. 
to hold the door for someone on a Sunday morning or to make coffee for people who come into this place on a Sunday. God created you with certain gifts and abilities. And he created you with uniqueness. But he also created you to serve him. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 2.10, he says, For we are his workmanship. The word workmanship comes from, the, in the original language, the word is poema, which is a work of art, a poem. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, that we should walk in them. So you were created by God with individual and unique abilities. Secondly, secondly, while God does not need you and he doesn't need your abilities, he desires for you to co-labor with him. And while he doesn't need that, there is an eternal purpose for your individual and unique abilities. There is an eternal purpose for your individual and unique abilities. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Colossae, says in Colossians 3, 23 to 24, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. I want you to hear that second part, and not for men. And not for men. Work for the Lord. Knowing that from the Lord you receive your inheritance as a reward. You are serving Christ the Lord. Now, now I, I just want you to know that this was, this was not a, a letter that was written to the pastor of Colossians. Right? This wasn't a letter that was written to the church, to, to the church leaders only of Colossians. This was written to the Christians who made up the church. And it's true for us today. And, and I, I understand and I get it. We all have to earn a living. We all have, have things that we have to accomplish. And, and I want you to know that, that God honors you for working or have worked in your life and doing the things that you needed to do to provide for your family. But part of, I think, what we need to understand is, is that we were created for an eternal purpose as well. And for some of you, maybe the answer is beginning to release a little bit of your abilities for him. So you were God-created. You were God-purposed. And lastly, while God doesn't need your abilities, he can accomplish what he wants to in any way he wants to, in a different way than, than we think. But while God doesn't need our abilities, the church and the world around you benefits from your individual and unique abilities. It doesn't matter how Little you think of how God created you. Listen, I want you to hear this. It doesn't matter how little you think of how God created you. It doesn't, how, doesn't matter how unworthy you feel like you are. 
God created you. And for you to just stand on the sidelines with your hands in your pocket, the church and the world around you is missing out. The church and the world around you is missing out. See, we are the beneficiaries when you use your individual and unique abilities for him. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. The Apostle Paul talking about the gifts in the church. He says, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. He says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve, what are those next two words? One another. One another. As good stewards of God's varied grace. And so then the question is, is why does Preto exist? If God created us with unique abilities, if God built you and me with unique skills and abilities to be used for him, then why, and if, and if we understand that he, he created us to serve his kingdom and to serve his work, and if we understand that the church benefits when we do that, then why is there a gap and I believe that it's from this place of maybe we haven't learned what it means to respond and release a little bit of what God has created us with. See, 1 John 4.19 says that we love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. See, that's our response, is that we should respond to, the, to this great love that God showed by sending his son to the cross, by rising again to pay, paying for our sins on the cross, by loving him and responding to him, by serving his church. And so I want to ask you a question, how much of your abilities are you using for you versus how much of your abilities are you using for God? How much are you using for you and how much are you using them for God? See, I think when we understand that, that we serve not as a requirement, not to be guilt-tripped by a pastor like me getting up and preaching a message like this, I hope that's not the case, but when we understand that our response, our service is, is, should be from a place of responding and then releasing a little bit of our abilities for the church to be benefited from, that's when that gap begins to close. Now, I don't, I don't want you to leave here feeling slapped on the hand. <laughs> Some of you are like, you failed. <laughs> I already do. Because covid changed everything, didn't it? COVID changed everything. But we as a church are on the cusp 
of seeing Preto turned upside down. We as a church are on the cusp of seeing this turned around. And, and, and my encouragement is for those of you who are already serving in this way and giving of your abilities to your church, way to go, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But because there aren't enough, you feel like you have to serve every week and all the time. And our fear is that you're going to get burned out and mad and irritated with God. You see, I don't want you to come to church thinking it's a job. I want you to come to church thinking it's, your, it's a joy to serve him. And that means we need all of us involved in using our gifts for him. You know where I would love to serve if I had the opportunity? On a Sunday morning specifically, because we figured out it takes about 60 individual volunteers to make everything happen on Sunday morning that happens. That doesn't even count Wednesday night. 60 different people. I'd love to serve in the parking lot. That would be the place that I would serve. <laughs> if I knew, now on a day like today, I realize it's a little bit more difficult to serve in the parking lot, but I love that. Part of the reason I love it is because you realize that you're serving on a guest service team, that you're the ones that people interact with, and that studies show that people will come back to a church after their first visit based on the first 10 minutes of what they experience. You know who they haven't interacted with in the first 10 minutes? Me. Me. And our worship leaders. And so many other people. Yes, services, all of these things, all of these service areas are so critical, so critical. And so church, don't buy the lie that we don't need you and that you're not worthy. God created you with unique gifts. Allow them to be used for him. I, I want you to hear from someone. I'm going to ask Just, Justin and uh, Darren to come on up here. Um, I, I want you to hear from someone who's been with us for about a year, and Darren Stout's been uh, serving on Wednesday nights with our students, doing an amazing job. And uh, so Justin is our next-gen pastor, and Darren, why don't you give it up for Justin and Darren this morning. Thanks, Todd. Like he mentioned, Darren has been involved here for a lot of the past year, and he uh, somehow or another got talked into serving with our students with me around last summer, the beginning of last fall, so I had the blessing of really having him involved with our students for this last semester. But Darren, that wasn't really the first time you got involved with students. You'd been involved with another ministry for a number of years before that. Correct. So talk to me a little bit. How did that all start? How did God lead you and convince you that serving with students was the place for you? Well, first thing I want to say is that was an amazing message uh, from Todd, and I'm ready to run through a wall for him. That, that was powerful. But I had a very fortunate option of having several men um, in my life who really poured into me as a middle schooler and a high schooler and stuff. And then when my daughter got into middle school, I said, I'm just going to jump in and just start, start doing it, and it is a passion. I love kids, I, I love the Lord, it, and I'm just ready to serve and That's great do as stuff. much as I can. 
Did, uh, did you have any kind of doubt uh, that you had to work through? Were there any things that were kind of holding <clears throat> you back? Or, uh, you know, you hadn't heard the message from Todd yet to run through no. the wall. So what kind of, <laughs> what really encouraged you? I mean, did, was it just something that you felt like was the place for you? Or did you have any specific things that caused you to jump in? Probably as the kids got older and stuff, uh, from middle school to high school, was a huge jump. Um, but these kids were facing things that we didn't face growing up. And really the more that we can kind of teach them and help them kind of learn, you know, how, how to respond and how to react and who to put first uh, in their life is probably the most important thing. Mm -hmm. I know it was helpful for me too that had having those folks who spoke into my life early on that mm -hmm. wanted to be that person for somebody else. And right. I'm thankful that you have stepped in to do that with our students uh, for sure. What would you say, you know, you, you feel ready to run through a wall, but what would you say to the person out there who maybe does think, you know, I can be doing this, whether it's students or something else, um, you know, Sunday morning kids, whatever it might be, what would you say to the person who thinks, you know, I can be doing something like that and I should be doing something like that, but there's just something that's holding them back from taking that step of actually getting involved. What would be your words of encouragement to them? I would just tell them to not wait. I mean, these kids need us now and they don't need for us to wait any longer. I mean, it's, it's very important to pour God into them and to show them, you know, the, the right way. Um, and don't be afraid. We've got so many resources and, and leaders like Justin and Todd, you know, who will give us every single thing that we need uh, really to kind of teach them and, and to mentor them. Well, Darren, I appreciate you yep. saying that. I have really been so blessed by Darren getting involved. He's just been such a faithful continual presence in the life. He helps me wrangle our high school boys small group week in and week out. Um, so it's a lot of fun and we're really blessed to have you, Darren. So thank you for what thank you're you. doing. We appreciate you. Thank you. Would you guys give it up for Darren? Thanks, guys. Man, Darren, thank you so much. I loved what he said. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And maybe some of you have just been captivated by fear and that's caused you to stand on the sideline. Man, it's time to get in the game. It's time to jump in. This, this afternoon, as soon as the next service is over, we, we've got Moe's providing lunch, and, and it's going to be an opportunity. We're doing some training with some of our, our Sunday morning teams. Um, but for some of you who, who may be saying, hey, it's time for me to get off the sideline. I get in the game. I want to get in the game. Put me in, coach. Um, come on over. Be a part. Hear about the different ministry areas, particularly your Sunday morning ministry areas. We've got so many different places that you can serve, but the key is, is to choose to serve. Just to choose to serve. To respond to God's great love for us by releasing some of the ability that you have, some of the skills that you have to be used for his kingdom work and for his church. Father, I thank you for everyone who's here, everyone who's listening to the sound of our voices this morning. And God, I pray that you right now would supernaturally, in a spirit-led way, remove any of the barriers that may exist in this place for those who've just been sitting on the sideline for a while. God, I pray that you would help them 
to make the choice to respond by saying, here I am, I'm ready to be used, God, for you. Help them, Father, to find their place to serve, particularly when it, when it comes to Sunday morning. God, whether it's Island Kids, maybe it's helping out with, with guest services and making coffee in the parking lot or greeting. Father, maybe it's in production. Maybe it has something to do with, with what we do that's, that's seen, Father. Regardless of what that is, maybe it's students on Wednesday nights, Father, regardless of what that is, God, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that Hilton Head Island Community Church would not be a church that is satisfied with Preto. God, but may we choose to respond and to release and to serve and to be used by you. Father, I pray for those who say I'm not worthy, I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough, my life's not clean enough. God, I pray that you would help us as a staff to help them through those barriers, God. But would your Holy Spirit right now speak to them? And God, would, would your Holy Spirit cause them to move to a place where they're ready to get in the game? You have great things for Hilton Head Island Community Church. I can't wait to see what you do in the future with your people here in this place. In Jesus' name, I pray and all God's people said, amen.